1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might make the works of the devil more palatable. more acceptable, easier to live through, easier to live with. He didn't just come to make it, to grease the skids to make you slide through a little easier. For this cause, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And notice works has an S, so it's not just a work, it's the works, all of it. Every pitfall, every stronghold, every attack, every lie. I'll remind you before we even read any further, that he's a liar from the beginning. He's a liar, and he's the father of all lies. I'll remind you that he's a liar, and he speaks the language of lies. He's a liar. There's no truth in him. from the beginning. For this purpose, how much more, that's such a clear statement. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Literally speaking of his incarnation when the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Theological debates out there about whether he was always the Son. I, I think it's pretty clear that he became something. In the beginning was the Word. He's always been the Word. And he became, the Word became something. It says the Word became flesh. It was made manifest. Same thing. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, what, full of grace and full of truth. See, Jesus is, is truth. Do you see what destroys the works of the devil? The truth. That's what destroys the work of the devil. That's why we have the word of God. Thy word is truth. I think that's something we ought to say together. Thy word is truth. I think you ought to say it. So I used to hate it when preachers would say, hey, say this with me. And now I know why. For one thing, it's the one way that people learn things. <laughs> Thy word is truth. Say it again. Thy word is truth. Another reason, you, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So when I say, hey, somebody say all. And somebody, thy word is truth. Why? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing 
by the word of God. He is a liar from the beginning. He is a liar. It's not, it's not, it's not something he does. It's who he is. And Jesus is truth. How is the liar, the deceiver, the accuser destroyed? Truth. Truth dispels the lie every single time. It's why you have to know the truth. You shall know the truth. The truth shall what? Make you free. Understand, there's no such thing as a good devil. Didn't say there was no pleasures, because the word tells you clearly that the, there is pleasure in sin for a season. How long is the season? Really, just long enough to dis- get you hooked to destroy you. Because the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Did you hear that? Jesus came for one purpose. For this cause, the Son of Man was made for this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The enemy came for one purpose as well, in three parts. One purpose. The really is, the thief cometh not, John 10 and 10, but, except, to kill well, let me, let me take it out of King James so you can hear it. The, the thief comes for this reason, this purpose. Are you, is that better? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. Oh, I, I, I've got some Bible scholars amongst us to hear what Mike says. That, the context was of a false shepherd and, and John 10 and 10, to kill, steal, and destroy. I said, well, who in the world is the false shepherd's daddy? Like father, like son. He comes, the false shepherd gets his power, his authority, his, his lies from his father, who is the father of all lies. So I can safely quote John 10 and 10 as the enemy's purpose. The thief comes. For one reason, a purpose, to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus came for a purpose, that you might have life, and life abundant. Not just life, not just that you can go to heaven, not just life. But you can have abundant life. Amplified says something along the lines that's to the full, overflowing. There's a lot of believers that'll go to heaven that never lived abundant life on earth. Salvation is all they had. And that's a lot. Thank God. That's a lot. But he made a way for you to have not just life, but abundant 
life. Overflowing to the full. Under any circumstances. Thank you for that, amen. Oh, we, we, we lose sight. I'm going to read more in a second, but we lose sight. Our abundant life is not conditioned on the circumstances of this world. That's a misrepresentation of the gospel. Because it doesn't cut, because of the things that are the fruit of the Spirit are not from our experiences, our emotions. They don't, they don't flow from what I can see, what I can smell, what I can taste, what I can hear, what I can touch. The central theme of this book is that we walk by faith and not by sight. That we live by faith and not by sight. It was, it was short-sighted. It was a short-sighted gratification of the flesh that caused the fall. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life that John 3, 1 John 3 just talked about a few verses earlier. That was exactly what happened in the, in the garden. The enemy convinced Eve and Adam that they could be like God, that God was withholding. That they could be as God. Pride of life. That, that, that he's withholding the knowledge of good and evil. It was, the, it was the same trap that 1 John talks about, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. When, when the enemy, the, the Satan came to the Word himself after his baptism, when he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, he appealed to the Christ with the same traps as in the beginning, the same as he does with you and I. Command these stones to be made bread. Bow down and worship me and I will give you. Throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple so that the angels can bear you. It was the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And the words, and the, and the living word, the word that was made flesh, began to speak the written word. He began to speak the logos, it is written. It is written. Church, I, 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 this is just, I never, I'm never going to get away from it until the church understands that it is written. It's not suggestions. It's not guidelines. It is all authority. It has all authority. Hmm. 
I don't mean to harp on it, but I know we don't believe it because you don't see it. When the church again stands on this word that it is written and lives according to it, not according to the pressures that come against it, not according to when your family comes against you for believing it, but that just that it is. He says that, that first you must believe, anyone that comes to God must what? First believe that he is. And that is, he's a rewarder of those who ever once in a while think about him and give him some time. No, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I hadn't even got to where we're going. For this purpose, the Son of Man, God, was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin or does not live by their sin nature. He, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Talked about it last week. You cannot live with a dominating sin nature and call yourself a child of God. Paul addressed that, by the way, in case you don't believe that, in, in Romans 6. It says, he tells you where, where iniquity does abound, grace does much more abound. And Paul said, ask the question that anybody would ask then so it could get answered. He says, what then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace can abound? Does anybody know his answer? God forbid. God forbid. He says, how can one that's been set free, once, how can one somebody that's, that's had that bondage broken, how can somebody that the, that the sin has been broken off of their life, that the sin nature has been brought under control, live any longer therein? Jesus didn't come to barely get you by. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Not so that you can live in. He came to save you from sin, not in sin. What's sin? Whatsoever is not of faith <laughs> is sin. It's more than I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't run with those who do. It's whatever is not a faith is sin. Faith is not a, just a term that floats around in the air. Faith is, and faith is believing, but even the demons believe and tremble. Faith is believing that will cause you to take action that agrees, that obeys the word of God. Faith is believing to the, where you can take action that's in agreement with the word of God. 
is what faith is. Faith is not I know there's a God or I believe that Jesus came, that he died. That's not, uh, the demons believe that. Faith is when you take God at his word that causes you to act on it, to be a doer of the word of God, to obey the word of God, and take action. Faith has substance. And it is the evidence of. Now faith is. Remember? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It's not blind. It's substance. In this, chapter 3, verse 10, in this the children of God and, and the children of the devil are manifest. There's that word again. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. I looked up that word in this context today, in the context of chapter 10, or verse 10 of chapter 3. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are made apparent. How do I want to say? Well, how, how much better can I say it than by reading what the Scripture says and telling you what that word means? But in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are made apparent. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor he who does not love his brother. We talked about some of this last week. It keeps coming up. But look at, look at just the one verse. Because you're going to have to see what the in this is. Yes? If it says in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are, are made apparent, hello, then what's the in this? Well, the in this is whoever does not practice righteousness is not a God, nor does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that you should love one another. This is the message. This is the message. You know what it is, the message. Oh, in a don't judge me world. Where's Mag Church tonight? Where are you? Are we, I guess we're actually full of pork tips and rice. I understand. That'll make you want to sit still and be calm. That'll make you want to settle in for the evening. But we didn't come to die. We come to live, so live. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. We touched on this last week. How many of you ever see crimes on TV, see things happen, and you say, why would anyone do that? Do you ever ask it? 
Why would anyone, and people don't like, the answer's not hard. It's not complicated. But people don't like the answer, especially today. There's always some reason. There's always some reason. There's always some reason. Well, in this case, it was his mother's fault. Adam even said so. It's that woman you gave me. No, the problem was sin. The problem was sin. Let me say it a different way. The problem is sin. Let me say it a different way. The problem is sin. I'll say it a different way. The problem is sin. You say, that's not a different way. No, you just didn't hear it. The problem is sin. The problem is not that the preacher hurt their feelings. The problem is not that they were offended. The problem, all that is because of sin. The problem is not that they didn't sing the right song or sing it in the right way or off the wall or out of the book. Boy, we hadn't had that fight in a long time. And it's not because they sung this one or didn't sing that one. It's not because the preacher tells it straight. or all, No, the problem is sin. That is the problem. It's not because of Four generations of childhood. Uh, listen, can propensities and things and curses follow a family? Yeah. Well, if you're a, if you're a family that's lost, that junk is going to follow you all the days of your life. But I, when you meet the Savior and you meet the blood of Jesus, it breaks the curses off of your life. But you've got to shut the door. Can somebody hear me? God cannot deliver you and will not deliver you from something that you want to entertain. You have to shut the door. A lot of preachers talk about you just preach truth and the rest will take care of itself. That is not scriptural. I don't care if the superintendent says it. One of my superintendents used to say that a lot back in Arkansas. Great preacher, good man. But he would say, oh, don't concentrate on that stuff. Just preach the truth and the rest will take care of itself. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says to preach the truth and stand against what's wrong. Hence, exhort, rebuke, correct. He, go back and read the prophets in Jeremiah. He says, he says, tell them what's true and tell them what's wrong. Over and over and over. You, can't, you not only have to accept what's true, you have to reject what's false. If you don't believe that, I, I think I've told you before, go to India. Go to a bunch of Hindus. Go to somebody that has tens of millions of gods and preach Jesus. They will accept him. Until you say you have to reject the other 10 million gods. See, he's not just any God. He's the God. He's not just any Savior. He's the Savior. He's not just any help. He's the only help. He's not just a truth. He's the truth. He's not just a way to God, Oprah. He's the way to God. And Dr. Phil and Whoopi, I might add. By the way, if you're watching them demon devils, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. By the way, because I want to tell you something. You're, that's a door open into your mind and into your home, and you can't let the devil walk around in your room and think you're unaffected by it. You have to reject what is false. 
That's good preaching, whether you like it or not. When you're being, what does it say about being entertained by the devil? All right. In this, the children of God and the children of devil are, are of the devil are manifest. They're made apparent. He says, "Why did?" Let's go down to, ver, to verse twelve. At not as Cain, who was the who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? That's where I got a while ago. Why did he murder him? And then he turns around. I draw lines in my Bible. I circle stuff. I draw things. I connect. I connect. Which you know what's talking about what. So I can read, next time I read it, I don't have to figure it out again. It just goes, whoop, that's who he's talking about. He says, why did he kill his brother? And, and, and amazingly, it says, because, because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. That's it. It's that simple. By the way, every time. Why can't atheists just go on about their business and not believe in God? Why do they want to come against everything? Why, 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 why? Because your works are righteous, their works are evil. Period. Why do they hate you? That is why. It don't have to be no reason about 67 generations of whatever. When you belong to him, when you're a child of God, the children of the devil will hate you. Why? Because your works are righteous, their works are evil. That's it. It's that simple. By the way, when you're studying a book, reading a book, and it starts saying about, like, what about Cain who killed his brother? You know what you ought to do? You ought to mark your page, mark the spot, turn over to Genesis, and read about Cain and Abel. Because he put it there for a reason. You don't know it's in Genesis 4? There's a thing called a concordance, and an even a quicker thing called Google. If you just type, type Cain and Abel in your phone, you know what it'll say? It'll say, boom, Genesis chapter 4. I'm helping somebody. Trying to make Bible reading hard, and I'm trying to make it easy. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil. So I'm going to go ahead and read before we turn to Genesis 5, chapter 4. Listen, he's talking to the brethren because he says, brethren, he says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Genesis chapter 4. Let's turn. You there? That's the one up front. Genesis, it means the book of beginnings. So, you know where it's at? At the beginning. Genesis chapter 4, you there? Now Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from God, or man from the Lord. Don't have time to go into it, but Eve thought she had righted the curse. She did. 
I have a man from the Lord. She thought they had a new bloodline. Guess what? Bloodline was tainted. She bore again, and this time a brother Abel. Most scholars believe they're twins. Cain was just born first. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain, but Cain a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Oh my goodness, I, I, we're going to read in a second, but when you, un, when you understand what you're reading and seeing all the way through the book, of, uh, all the way through the book from beginning, this is the beginning. This is second generation, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Second generation, okay? You're going to find all the way back into the beginning, principles that run all the way through the book. It says it came to pass in the process of time that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground unto the Lord and, also brought, and Abel also brought a firstborn of his flock and of their fat and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Why? It was righteous. That's why. New King James says respected. King James says God had respect for Abel and his offering. Other versions say that God accepted him and his offering. Are you with me? But it says, Abel brought first the fourth, brought of the first fruit of his flock and of the fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he, the he is the Lord, did not respect Cain and his offering. And look at what the result is. And Cain was very angry. Actually, the, that old King James has a better word. It says, and Cain was wroth. Oh yeah, it does mean very angry. But it doesn't ha quite have the impact of the meaning in the translation of that Cain was wroth. He wasn't just a little upset. It says he was wroth with anger and his countenance fell. And he's already told you the why. And by the way, that's why 1 John has pointed to it. He says, you'll know the children of God, the children of the devil will be obvious. The righteous will do righteous. The unrighteous will not. Just as Cain murdered his brother and hated him. Why? Because he was righteous. Do you want to know why the radicals in this world hate the believer? This is the reason. Why y'all so quiet? This is the reason. Because evil hates righteousness. It says... 
and his countenance fell. I don't think I have to explain that. Have you ever seen anybody that when, the, when you said something and every, their whole demeanor changed? Have you been there? It was going good. And you can say, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. And you're thinking, oh, something. Why? Because your countenance fell. And listen to what he said, what God said. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Now think of what just happened. Got a lot of ground to cover, so I can't. Think of what just happened. In the fullness of time, they both, they both brought a sacrifice. God accepted one's sacrifice, and he rejected the other. That's it. And it says he was wroth with anger. I was reading about this today. They said in all likelihood that when, Cabal, that when Abel's sacrifice was accepted, that it was consumed by fire, as all sacrifice is. Where did it come from? Where does, this, where does the Lord speaking from? Let's read about it in just a second. But they're standing at the gate of Eden on the outside where two angels have been posted with flaming sword. Where did the fire come from? Flaming sword, the Word of God. The Word of God. Where was the Word of God? It was between, it was between two angelic beings. Where did God dwell? Where, what was the next picture you've seen of God? It was, it was a gold-covered box with angelic wings stretched over the mercy seat, and God dwelled between the, between the wings of the cherubim. The Word of God. Where was the power of God made manifest outside the gates of Eden was from the flaming sword from between the angels. It says in there, his sacrifice was accepted. That's important because we got to read some more. So, One's made a sacrifice that God accepted. The other's made a sacrifice God has rejected. He, when God, re, he, God hasn't said anything else. Hello? God hasn't said another word yet. No. All that's happened is one has been accepted because it's righteous, and the other one's been rejected. So Abel didn't say Now, is that what brothers might do? No, 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 boo-boo. He liked mine, he didn't like yours. Y'all get real, come on. And, I mean, could that have happened? And in our world, I mean, is that what siblings do? That, it didn't happen. All the, I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. All that happened was that God accepted Abel's, he rejected Cain's. Not a word's been spoken, nothing else yet. Cain is immediately wroth. And he's immediately, his countenance has changed. Why? Righteous? Unrighteous. And so in verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? 
Oh, that makes me, I didn't plan to say this, but it's a, I think I will. He's rejected Cain's sacrifice, and he's, he's angry, very angry, wroth, livid. Whatever word you need to come up with, whatever the most red-faced, angry you've ever been in your life, that was what he was. Well, how do I know that? Because in just another verse, he's supposed to strike out and kill his brother over it. That's pretty angry. And God had a really good question. Cain, why are you angry? Because you know what what he's being saying here? You know what he's being saying here? I always told you when God asks questions, it's not because he's seeking information. Pretty rhetorical, actually. He said, Cain, why are you? Let me, let me do it. Cain, why are you angry? Oh, that's it. Why, why are you mad? Let me fill in some blanks here. Why are you mad? I didn't do anything wrong. God speaking. Why are you angry, Cain? I, I haven't done anything wrong. Abel hasn't done anything wrong. What do you have to be mad about? Somebody fall out on the floor. That would have been a good opportunity just to fall out. Because it's still happening today. People are not obedient to God. They're doing unrighteousness and they're wroth and angry and lashing out when God didn't do anything wrong. Abel didn't do anything wrong. The only person that's done anything wrong in the whole picture is the one that is wroth with anger. Some of y'all think I'm coloring between the lines. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not even, this is not even stretching it. This is exactly what was going on. Cain, why are you angry? Listen to this, lest you think that God suddenly became merciful in Matthew chapter 1. And suddenly started showing grace. Now, you don't see grace until Noah in Genesis 6 and 1, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But, it, but it's there. Because God is full of grace. He didn't become full of grace, he just is. And he's rich in mercy. He didn't become rich in mercy, he just is. Hello. So he said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Get that look off your face, boy. I'm just trying to help you. You don't seem to understand that. Why are you, what do you got to be mad about? Well, why that look on your face? I told you to start reading with some inflection and some attitude. Put yourself there. What, how would you have done it? I, I think it's right there. He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Y'all ain't hearing me. If you do well, would you not be accepted? And if you do not, well, if you do not do well, now we've got to talk a second. We've got to talk a second. 
Because all the people think that the God of the old covenant was this bloodthirsty warmonger who was looking for reasons to kill people. And I want you to notice that in the instant that Cain fell again, that God didn't go boom. He didn't do it. He said, Cain, what's wrong with you? What are you mad about? Why, is your, why are you all bent out of shape? Why is your nose out of joint? So what? I didn't accept your sacrifice. You knew it wasn't right. All you got to do is do what's right, Cain. That's what he's literally saying. All you've got to do is do what is right. Right now, I accepted Abel. I have rejected yours. All you've got, you don't need to be mad. What you need to do is repent and do what's right. That's better preaching than your amen. Because it's right. Now you're going to need to do some reading to understand. He said, he said if you're not done right, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. There's that sin offering thing again that's not translated real well. Let's break it down. Are you ready? If you did what was right, I'll accept it. And when you didn't do what was right, sin lies at the door. Everybody thinks that that's like some crouching tiger waiting behind the bush. When he messes up, it jumps on you. That's what you thought, isn't it? Sin sitting around waiting, lurking on every corner, just going to jump on you. Tell me that ain't what you thought. Because you know good and well that's what you thought. You read that, sin lies at the door. If you don't do well, sin lies at the door. It's going to jump all over you. It's not at all what it's talking about. He said, if you've done well, I'll accept it. If when, you, when you mess up, there's a sin offering Really, most commentators think, right of Abel's flock. See, it wasn't that Cain had been in the wrong business. Abel was, was it says, was a keeper of the sheep. Cain was a, a, a tiller of the ground. It was who he was. If you messed up, there's a sin offering Right at the gate, right at the door. The door of what? We just talked about where the transgression happened at the gate of Eden. Two flaming, two angels with a flaming sword. Make the sacrifice. If you messed up what you did, sin lies way, the sin offering lies waiting at the door. And it's desires for you. But you should rule over it. There's only one way to rule over sin nature, and that's with the proper offering, the proper sacrifice, the proper faith in the right place. If you messed up, why, is your, why are you upset? Why are you angry? Why is your face falling? If you do right, I'll accept it. Why was he mad? Just because Abel was righteous and he was wrong, unrighteous. Not just wrong, I should say that different. Because uh, everybody, everybody makes mistakes. Now, uh, stop. We're talking about 
he done God wrong. And God takes it seriously. You don't get to, I got news, let me say it this way. In 2023, you don't get to come to God any way you want to. You come to what you can come, you only can come to God in the way that He's provided. That's it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Lamb was always the way home. Always. We need to hear in 2023, never mind the radical leftists and the radical LGBTQRSTUV agendas out there. Never mind, how about in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we understand that you don't get to come to God any way you want to. You come to God in the way that he's provided and there's only one. The way is straight and narrow that leads unto life. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. You can, you can be doomed to destruction in a million, ten million, a billion different ways. But you can only be reconciled one way. One way. One way. One way. Why is your countenance falling? Why? Ask people, why are you mad at God? What's he ever done to you? Nothing. All he's ever done to you is gave you life that you didn't deserve. Let you live when you didn't deserve it. He, he did not strike you dead when you deserved it. That is mercy. He kept you alive when you should have been dead. That is grace. Whether you accept him or reject him, he ain't done you nothing but good. Ever. Never. Oh, somebody at church hurt me. Who cares? Let me tell you how much sympathy I have for that. Absolutely none. Because, you know, Andrea, I like you. I don't serve you. I'll serve you as your pastor. What I'm saying is I don't worship you. You're not going to reconcile me to God. You didn't pay my price. So uh, you could be a scoundrel tomorrow and kind of try to destroy me from, within, from sitting in that pew right there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to serve God. Amen. You know why? Because God is good, right. whether Andrea is or not. God is good, even if he, even if, thank you for letting me use you. Even if she does scandalous things in his name. People do scandalous things in God's name. People do horrible things is in his name. Go back and read history. Go, go take 30 minutes and just read about the Spanish Inquisition. You find out that it was the church that done that junk in God's name. You know what God was the whole time? He was holy and he was righteous. 
and he was good and he was merciful and he was full of grace and he was full of grace and truth and he was the way the truth and the life it doesn't matter what pope what potentate what superintendent what pastor or what pew warming lazy excuse for a so-called believer doesn't his name god is good period quit using church hurt for a reason to not serve God. Boy, I feel like I need to say that again. Probably ought to pull it for a clip. Quit using church hurt to not serve God. And I might even say, because sometimes there's real church hurt. And they no hurt like church hurt. Somebody hear me. Sometimes you, people have been, have, been, have been done absolutely nastily wrong in the name of Jesus. That happens. There's still no excuse not to serve God. I'll tell you what else happens a lot. People just don't like it. What's said, what's taught, what's preached. They don't like that they, that they messed up. They're Cain, and, you have, and the pastor or the Sunday school teacher has to, has to address them and say, you can't do that. And they're, instead of taking correction and rebuke, they go off the handle and fly down the street to the church down the street, and they stay there about a year until they stir that pot up too. That's not church hurt, that's you. That's a culture that no longer will take the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God, that doesn't know that this word of God also refines and it rebukes and it corrects. That's good preaching. And I, whether you amen or owe me, that is true. And we're a bunch of spiritual wimps because the shepherds that have charge of, but do you know that, that the Bible says that to pray for your, I'm not, I don't, listen, there ain't no, I want everybody to look at me and hear me because I'm fixing to, I'm nailing some things to the wall. There ain't nothing going on here. There ain't nobody here that's causing me trouble or fits or that I'm causing trouble or fits. There's none of that going on. Everybody with me? If there was, it wouldn't change what's true, but there's not. You're going to need to know that. Because the Bible says, pray for your pastor, pray for the shepherd, because he watches over your soul. Until you ever walk in that responsibility, you could never know. Pray for your shepherd, for he watches over your soul. He uses sheep and shepherd a lot because sheep, look at what a shepherd does. He says the shepherd what? Loves his sheep. He says he'll lay down his life for the sheep. He guides, he leads, he feeds, he protects. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. He could have repented, he didn't. He went from a transgression against God to murder. 
which is what John's talking about in First John. Hating your brother. Your brother. By the way, all you Facebook meme people with Abel, Cain and his rock, there ain't no evidence of Cain and his rock in the Word of God anywhere at all, none. The way more likely scenario is the very blade that, Cain, that Abel used to kill his sacrifice. You want blood, God? Y'all think I'm making stuff up. You think I'm making stuff up. God says, what's wrong with you? What he's saying? You know what he's saying? You're the one that done something wrong. What are you mad about? You're the one that messed up. What are you mad about? If you had, if you not done well, would I not accept it? If when you do don't do well, is there not an offering to offer? Cain says, I talked talk to my brother. He said, you want blood? I'll give you blood. That's exactly what happened. Oh, you love Abel? You'll accept Abel, but you don't accept me? You want to know what's going on out in this world right now when people are so angry? Why they're so fired up? Why they're willing to destroy? Because God won't accept their lifestyle? You want blood? I'll give you blood. You want blood? I'll give you blood. It says that Cain rose up and killed his brother. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. John is talking about in 1 John that when you hate your brother, you are Cain. That you are making, you cannot claim to be. I've told you four weeks ago, and some of you looked at me like I was crazy when I said, you cannot love God and hate people. It's not possible. I don't care how many church services you go to, how many hymns you know, how many worship services you know, you, you songs you sing, how much Bible you've memorized, how good you can preach, how you can move a crowd, how you can draw a crowd. If you hate people, you're not God's child. He said you are a murderer like Cain was from the beginning. I didn't write it, he did. You want blood? His, he was wroth to the point of murder for one reason, is God didn't take him his way. You want blood? You like Abel? I'll give you blood. I'll give it to you. Where's your brother? I don't know where he's at. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, God, that he is God, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Your blood's 
speaks. You know what? His blood still speaks today. Hebrews chapter 12, chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Hebrews 11, 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. I've heard preachers say that wasn't a Baptist sacrifice. I beg to differ. By faith. Because it's always been about the sacrifice. It's still about the sacrifice. If I try to get to God a different way with a different sacrifice... It's going to be rejected because God offered a better sacrifice. You didn't hear me. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the witness that he was righteous. Told you it was, he killed him because he was righteous. John told you he killed him because he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and though it be dead, still speaks. His blood still speaks. Can we look at, I think it's Hebrews 12, 24. Turn the page. I think it's Hebrews 12, 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What speaks? The blood. What did Abel's blood? It says, your brother's blood cries from the ground. Hebrews 11 says, by faith. And it says, of this blood that still speaks. Hebrews, now talking of Jesus, says, who has a blood that speaks better, speaks louder than the blood of Abel. Oh, it was righteous blood. Against his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Verse 13, 1 John chapter 3, do not marvel, my brother. If the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Did you catch something? All, hey, everybody that might be saying you can't judge anything because you read Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. 
that you never read anything from Paul that said to judge righteous judgment. You never read anything from Paul that says, what are you going to the courts for? Can can y'all not judge these simple little things among the church? What did you miss about that that, that, that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would remain? What did you miss by? And by their fruit, you shall know them. He gives you all the, th- all the things through this word. He, he says it straight up. How? He says, they will know that you are Christians. How? By your love. He said, make no mistake that if you're righteous, you do righteousness. If you're unrighteous, you don't. He's talking about the fruit of your life. He's not talking about that you're never going to mess up. He's talking about that the fruit of your life every day is the fruit of righteousness. Oh, it's quiet. I know, and you know, that ultimately I can't put anybody in hell or out of hell, and you can't either. You can't either. That's, that's the judgment that God reserves for himself because I can only see outside. But outside is a good indicator of what's inside. I got to hurry because some, I can't leave y'all here because some of you is going to leave here still arguing over the simplicity of what the word says. And I can't leave you here. Read the sentence again. We know we, who's we? And there's a lot of people that's tried to say that John is talking in, 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 first, in first John 2 and 3 about unbelievers. I got a problem with that because all the way through he says we. Can we all agree that John, this is still the John whom Jesus loved. This is still the John that was the only one that went to the cross. This is still the one that owned, the only one that died a natural death. This is still the one, this is the one that was closest to Jesus. Do we all agree? John says we. We. When he addresses we, he's including himself. For we know that we have passed from death into life. What's he talking about? Passing from death into life. What's he talking about? Somebody, what's he talking about? We, we, we've passed from death into life. What's he talking about? Conversion, being born again. For we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that does not love his brother abides in. Remember we done three weeks ago on abides? Remains in, stays with, moved in, stay in the long term, wrapped up in. Somebody said glory. We 
who does love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother, what did we just talk? What did he? He just told you about Cain and Abel, right? We just went back to Genesis, right? We went through the whole thing, right? We told you why. What happened between Cain and Abel and why, right? Same verse. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know that no, N-O, This means not excluding anybody here. That no murderer, not, not a single one, has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. At 8.26, I probably need to... Stop. Because if I open a new can, we'll be here too long. This is actually a beautiful passage. An incredible revelation and understanding and teaching. And it's crystal clear in the Word of God. I want to go back to that Hebrews 12:24 that ties in from where the blood speaks louder. Because I need you to understand the world we live in today, why the church is hated. Oh, I've got this really great Barna article that I told you a little bit about it Sunday. How, how we've spent years in seeker-friendly mess, watering down the gospel, bringing it to a place that's not even true anymore, all for the sake of people loving Christians in the church. And come to find out, 30 years later, they hate us above all. Didn't work. Didn't work. Turns out, you can't pander and win. Turns out, it's still the truth that sets people free. Turns out that they, men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. It turns out that people hate believers just because they're righteous. And they're not going to be told any other way. My, Abel was wroth because God had a way to approach him, and Abel didn't want to do it that way. God came in, he says, if you'd not done right, I would have accepted it. And he says, you want blood? You got blood. That was a rebellious lash out of a, from a murderous spirit. And that's the world we live in. That is as practical as anything that can be taught tonight, is that we're in a time then all we have is the truth. But the good thing is, is the truth is all we need. 
The truth is all we need, and it's all the world needs. The truth will still change the world. And I'm going back to, to Hebrews 12, 24, because I want to continue reading for just a second, because I want you to see what is happening around it. Hebrews 12, 24, for Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks louder than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. He just told you his blood speaks louder. He says, see that you do not reject him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of all. Yet, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things which are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. You notice that who he connected it to? The blood of Abel that speaks the mediator of the better covenant whose blood speaks louder. If they didn't hear the blood of the earth, Abel, they better hear the blood of heaven, Jesus, because everything that's standing between you and him that is created and made of man, I am shaking, and I will shake to the point of it being removed so that that which cannot be shaken in the heavens or in the earth Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we serve a God acceptably. See, it's back to that, remember? That's why Abel has been brought back in here. Let us have grace by which we serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. He is literally telling you. He brought Abel back in here to tell you again that you have to, you have to serve God acceptably. Not to our acceptability, to his acceptability. It's not Burger King. We've let us have grace. That's God doing in us what we can't do for ourselves. Let's allow God to do in us by which we will serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. It's one of the big problems in the world today. There's no fear of God. For why? Why? He says, let us serve God with reverence and, and, and godly fear. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. He consumes the sacrifice. He consumes the sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore,
therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, not to you. Holy, acceptable to God. He says, which is your, 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 mine and your reasonable service. Oh, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to learn to think different. You've got to learn to think different. You've got to learn to think different. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. <laughs> you got to learn to think different. Holy, acceptable to God. Which is your reasonable. Be not conformed to this world. You, me, be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. A metamorphosis literally is the word. A metamorphosis. You went in a caterpillar and you came out a butterfly because if a man is in Christ he's a new creation old things pass away behold when that butterfly comes out you saw it go in a worm behold all things are become new be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good perfect and what acceptable will of God. He defines what's good and acceptable. It's the only thing he'll accept. When you're in him, you pass from death into life. It changes everything. And if it didn't, it changed nothing. Hear me, if it didn't, it changed nothing. Get it through your head. I'm telling you, there's people watching, and there's no doubt people in this room. Get it in your head. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as partial justification. They either were or they wasn't. And by the way, I can't even open that can tonight. I can't, even, I can't even open that can tonight. Can't even open that can tonight. Can't even open it. Can't, can't, can't open it. Because it's 8.36, can't open it. There are things the Bible defines that are deal breakers and absolutes. And we far too long tried to change the gospel through denominational doctrine to make, the, to make it more acceptable to us. It's not your word. You can't change it. And it doesn't matter if you don't like it. It's righteous. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's right. And when it... We've got to... I said it last week. It's my closing comments. I'm going to pray. You laughed at me. 
don't you have, don't you need to go to Houston? <laughs> God will never alter the robe of righteousness to fit a man. Ever. He alters the man to fit the robe. He changes us. Ain't you glad? I'm glad he changed me. And it's changing me. I'm being changed. You know what? From faith to faith. And from glory to glory. I got to pray because if I don't, she's going to laugh at me again because I said I was done. Faith to faith. Glory to glory. He's still working on me. Yeah, to make me what I ought to be. So you've already gone there. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. <laughs> Sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. Some of you are a fact of that. <laughs> He's still working on me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you that the blood still speaks. Thank you for opening your word and revealing it to us. Lord, thank you that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Lord, I want to be acceptable in your sight. God, stand with me all over this place. Lord, tonight I, I, we're here together, and Lord, we just present ourselves to you a living sacrifice one more time. Lord, change me. Bring me out of conformity into transformation that I can be acceptable in your sight. Consume me with the consuming fire of your presence, I pray. Go with us in the coming days. Thank you, Jesus, that the blood still speaks. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.